0: Welcome to the BizOwner 360 podcast where we explore a variety of topics to help you grow your bootstrapped business. I'm your host Brett Trainer. Each week, I have a conversation with leading experts in the areas of growth, execution, people, leadership, wellness, productivity, and others. This is not the typical podcast. We have conversations that dig deep into each of the topics that we cover. The goal is to provide cutting-edge but proven tactics and strategies to grow your business. The BizOwner360 podcast is now recognized as a top 5% international podcast and Still Growing. Today, I welcome back Michael Haynes to the podcast. I believe this is his fourth trip with us over the years. Michael is an SMB growth advisor based in Australia, author, and frequent podcast guest. As usual, we tackle a number of topics, but we do dig in quite deep into a number of underappreciated growth strategies and also buyer-centric approaches that entrepreneurs you should be using. There is a reason why Michael is one of my favorite guests. Tune in and find out why. Now, on to the interview. Hey, Michael, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me here. It's uh, great to be here again.
0: Uh, it's it's always my pleasure. And I've actually kind of lost count how many times you've been on the podcast. I know you've been on for each of the name changes. <laughs> 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 so it's only fitting to you come back in the early days of Biz Owner 360 and, and help us I
1: think you know, kick this it is, off. I think this is episode, my fourth time on,
0: I think on it the is. podcast.
1: Uh, but it's great. We always touch on different topics, different themes and our um, Discussions always lead us down uh, different roads. So always, always good and enlightening from my Yeah,
0: and always one of our most listened episodes. So that's why we keep oh, really? back. Because okay. people like to hear what you have to say. Okay. So don't disappoint I, I, us.
1: I find that <laughs>
0: No pressure. <fresher. crazy.
1: laughs> okay. I'll, I'll run with it. I'll run with
0: it. Yeah. Thank you. And what I really, yeah, we kind of chat offline, but really for this one, we're still early part of 2022. And we've had some themes like, you know, how do we as entrepreneurs and business owners kick some ass this year? What are some of the key themes? So I want to bring in some of the experts to say and share your perspective on, you know, what do we need to do to, to break through and get the businesses going again? But before we get off and running, in case any of the audience is new and have not heard you in the past, why don't you share a little bit of about your background, what you're working sure. on today, and we'll jump into it.
1: Sounds, uh, good, Brett. So my name is Michael Haynes. I'm an, uh, SMB, uh, business growth specialist. And for those of you in other parts of the world, SME business specialist. So my focus, passion is working with small and medium sized, uh, heavily run the service based organizations. So your professional service firms, law, engineering, your education and training firms, IT, telco firms, financial service firms. And I do a lot of work with the CEOs and the leadership teams of those businesses who want to acquire and retain and grow those business clients and customers. So I'm your SMB, B2B specialist. That's the area that I focus in. Uh, I reside in the beautiful city of Sydney, Australia. But as you can tell by my accent, I am not a born and bred Aussie. So I'm from Toronto, Canada, and I work internationally, globally. Australia, Canada, and the United States are my three core markets. But I do do work with folks, um, a fair bit of folks in Asia Pacific uh, as well. So that's awesome. kind of me in a nutshell
0: awesome and you call i was going to call you out i'm like man i know you're based in australia but i heard some of that canadian uh, process or
1: yeah <laughs> that, i'm that born out, and bred toronto, torontonian um uh so yeah so i'm a, always be a canadian uh, i consider myself to have two homes toronto and sydney and i'm very much looking forward to brett rekindling my relationship with star alliance so that i can be hopping across the pacific back and forth like i used to prior to all this madness of the past two years
0: yes yeah you've been locked in australia for a couple of years now uh, very much crazy so locked been...
1: in sydney for a very long time which is very unusual but like everyone else i have adapted um but i yeah. am keen to get back to some of my old behaviors of interacting with friends family colleagues and people like yourself who we've interacted a lot but we've never actually had a face-to-face coffee dinner crazy? but that's on the cards uh, for 2022 we
0: will change that so. I want to do it in Australia. We'll do a live show from Sydney. We'll oh, for sure. Back. When do we, get well, we need here? to do a
1: live one from your end as well because you're you reside and you're one of my favorite cities, Chicago. So we'll sure. we can get swap. We'll Absolutely. Live <laughs> on location.
0: Awesome. All right, Michael. Great to have you back. As like I said, it's it's awesome. So let's let's talk about 2022. I know you've got some thoughts and the clients that you work with. You know, what what should we be thinking about? Where should we focus? Uh top sure. priorities
1: um top priority so Brett you know you and I've had discussions before on you know previous episodes and in our discussions offline you know it's very important for us operating in the b2b uh world to be very much buyer centric and really focusing on being clear on who the buyers are because there's a lot of movement been going on you know the great resignations and people moving companies going out on their own so we need to know who those buyers are what are their priorities and, uh, and of their objectives and really helping them to achieve those objectives. Over the past 18 months, there's been a lot of content, there's been a barrage of content that's been going out out there. I like to call it content vomit that just been yeah. overtaking folks, um, which was something I was seeing anecdotally from just talking to SMB leaders, but then Gartner put out a study which said that 55% of B2B buyers are overwhelmed with too much content, 45% of them um, just, are confused because it's all coming from experts but brett you say to do one thing i say something else hubspot saying something else so what really business uh buyers B buyers, are looking for is what i like to call air well uh, an acronym i adopted from my business coach which is about advice insights and recommendations so how do we move forward how do we help them take the businesses forward that really needs to be the core of what's going to drive our growth strategies for our SMBs uh, in terms of making sure we're, we're connecting, reaching out to those business buyers and really trying to help them with some of the key things they're looking for as to how to solve problems, identifying new opportunities, um, connecting them to people. There's a big need for connecting to people now to exchange ideas, to get advice, references and referrals. So Brett, this is going to have big implications in terms of Okay, well, we're going to use the term marketing, which I have a love-hate relationship with the term marketing. In terms of being true strategic marketing and B2B, we need to really be thinking about how do we approach that now? Because it can't just be about, you know, throwing out those white papers, blogs, all of that content, which I've, I'm personally finding an increasing number of SMB CEOs, don't have; just, they just don't have the time for it. And so they're looking for opportunities for engagement. So we really have to provide those meaningful ways where we provide those advice, insight, and content, and where they're seeking for it now, which right. kind of talks into what you know, um, Chris Walker talks about, that whole dark funnel concept. I think that is highly relevant now because a lot of business leaders now, they will be interested in attending workshops. Forums, going to the online communities, being to mastermind groups where they can get some of that advice, insight, strategic direction, but they also connect with their peers, their experts. So your, your approach to go to market, your strategies around growth really have to be delivering those kinds of things and not just dumping of content, but really that value add strategic advice, engaging and working and connecting with business buyers. To help them achieve that, so we need to be thinking about how we can really be getting out there and working with those prospective leaders um, that we yeah. want to do business with.
0: Yeah, let's let's unpack that a little bit because I think there is so much value. Shit, this I'm sorry, <laughs> this is going to be our <laughs> our entire episode because and you, you talked about the buyer enablement and um, around the buyer, which I think is so true. So, but if we take a step back and think about it from the the owner of the business now, right, and May or may not have a marketing background, and we just said a lot of things that probably, to your point of the the content overload, it's you know, they they know they need to be putting out content, so. Let's think about that. And I love the acronym A, I, and R, and you may have to repeat that again for me. But, but Yeah, if I'm so in the advice, order, in
1: insights, and recommendations. Yeah. So they want advice, you know, advice. Yeah, it's about, it's giving them advice about, based on their objectives around how to grow the business. Um, I'm getting lots of questions in terms of the inquiries I get from SMB, SME leaders are, they want to know. How to grow the business. So where are the growth opportunities? You know, what geographic markets, what industries, what you know, what customer segments should they be going after? How they should be growing. That's another big question that's often coming up. Um there's a lot of, you know, and, and what's the best ways to do so? What I am seeing a lot of is that there's been a lot of default with all this content. There's been this, everyone says we have to go online and there's almost been this automatic default that, oh, that means I must do advertising, social media and email yeah, fun right. And I'm finding increasing number of SMB leaders who are finding, and myself included, some of those things just simply do not work. Social media, yes, it's good to be there because it does give you visibility, but I'm starting to see my personal view is that social media is almost like the, you've got your thing, your core elements that you're focusing on, how you're going to deliver value. So it might be setting up a community, having you know peer-to-peer advisory groups and workshops. That might be one of your core things. And then you'll take that content and then you'll repurpose it onto social media um, to have that visibility. But it's not your core activity. But what I'm seeing is that there's a lot of default of SME leaders defaulting to advertising, social media, emails, which are things that many leaders are moving away from and they're not using.
0: Because I think one of the challenges, at least the challenges that I see with the folks I work with is, hey, we've grown the business. We're pretty good. We get referrals coming in, right? That which is one tactic and we're opportunistic as they come. But if I really want to grow my business, I've got to pick a segment that I've got to go after. And I've got to reach people that don't know me today. Right. So if we think about what you had talked about there from the buyer perspective and we've got to put some content together when we connect or want to do some outreach or educate that segment that we're going after. Is there a specific approach that you would recommend or how do you, I know one size doesn't fit all, but is Hey, I want, I want to scale my business. I've got to connect with people that don't know me. What would be, what's the best way to start thinking about that? Or what are some of the building blocks we well, can look at?
1: Well, I think it's about the building blocks because to identify those growth opportunities, you need to spend some time doing what I call in my framework and in my book, listening. We need to identify where are those growth opportunities. So step number one, talking to your current clients and customers, even some of your previous uh, clients and customers, talking to the decision makers, right? So that we understand and we're very relevant and understand what are their goals, what are their priorities. And we need to get a sense of how are they doing their buying and their decision making? Because there is a lot of self-education and research that they're doing in a variety of ways. We need to be doing that research, uh, which is a combination of talking to current clients and customers, doing some of that, you know. It- Online research of, you know, going through your industry and professional associations and seeing what are the trends and reports that they're coming and talking about, about where market opportunities are at. Looking at some of those consulting firm reports, market research uh, reports, which many a times you can get the executive summaries, which are often free, uh, and that you can get some good insights there. So we need to do our homework and our um be doing our homework and our due diligence so that we, we're really understanding the landscape of the industries and the markets that we're operating in, those industry verticals, and then also understanding from that buyer's perspective, from their own w- word of mouth as to what's, uh, what's the um, priorities, their objectives, and how they do their buying, because that's going to determine how we get visibility and what we need to provide to those prospective buyers to really uh, engage and interact with them.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And do you advocate, and may guess it's specific for organization? I mean, because there's a lot of third parties now that can go help you do some of this industry research and customer research to dig. And sometimes it's less biased, <laughs> right, if your customers are talking to somebody that's not connected. So I'm just curious if if you've had one way or the other, if it make, if, it's, if you have the resources internally to do it, or I mean, worst case, if you don't, find somebody to partner with, right?
1: But so the yeah. words in
0: your mouth.
1: <laughs> yeah. So great, great question. I believe that the whole listening, building that understanding around the industries, the markets, the customers and bars, it, it's a bit of it's a bit of research, i.e., doing your academic research of going online, going through reports. Your industry and professional associations are often a great place to start because they often are the ones that have all the you know white papers, newsletters, and all of that. So if you've got an internal marketing team, and I believe your marketing team, which if it's a proper marketing team, it should be Your marketing, a strategic marketing team, so they should be owning and doing that for you. Um, And the team doesn't necessarily have to be big. You just need to have some person who has those skill sets around strategic analysis, research. So it might be only one marketing strategist, analyst, but you should have one person at least dedicated to doing that kind of market analysis and listening um but you also should be talking to your customers as well uh, and and getting and having discussions right. at the buyer level it's very important we talk about making sure you're talking to those decision makers um and and you can do that in a variety of ways but even just having some informal structured but informal conversations half hour on zoom you know making sure you're talking with that decision maker where are they at today what are they looking to achieve what are their priorities where are they getting stuck um, you know what is going to be their roadmap. Um, if their current client or previous client, where have you fallen off? What is it that they're going to be needing from you? Having discussions even around just some of those five, six areas will start giving you some clarity and focus as to what are some of the things we need to be looking at internally to move yeah. the dial.
0: And that should be ongoing, right? That's a living, breathing a process, not just uh, do it once and you know. Set it and forget it, right? You need this should be part of the ongoing to make sure if your customer dynamics or needs are changing, be out in front of it and not not chasing it.
1: And, but in addition to that, um, Brett, I think there's an increasing importance in the B2B context is to really be tapping into the communities. The whole yeah. notion of community marketing um, is becoming quite relevant and very important in a B2B context. I just wrote a paper for uh, one of the news publications here in Asia Pacific on this. But really tapping into the, those groups, those communities in those m- geographic markets, those industries where you're operating in uh, from a peer level as well as uh client level is very important. They always say your net worth is your net worth, but it's increasingly more so now because business buyers are looking for that connection, access to people, being it peers, and advice, but it, so it's how you by tapping into those communities. That's how you can you can start those relationships. That's how you can learn around what are the current trends, emerging trends, and current needs. You get to know who your competitors are, where are the opportunities to collaborate, etc. So, getting involved in communities and potentially establishing your own community um, for your relevant world ecosystem um, is very, very important, and that needs to be part of your overall B two B growth strategy.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting topic and, and I don't know maybe we'll do another episode where we dig into the community cuz I agree cuz I think it's it's heading that way the buyers and the users right maybe two separate people in these orgs you know are looking for that sense of community and from an organizational standpoint if you can build that a community around your product it's going to be super powerful um, which is not the way we've typically approached it, right? It used to be the, hey, Facebook ads, buy now, buy now, buy now, maybe not Facebook within the B2B context, but we're moving away from transactional and trying to build that community around your product and your business. Easier said than done, but if you do it, it's it's incredibly powerful.
1: Yes, um, I think communities are very important. Brett, I would challenge you though, in terms of saying and building it around your product, it should be built around your product indirectly so yeah your product is going to be kind of the basis potential of bringing it together but it cannot be a product-centric community it needs to really be a customer-centric and hopefully part of that has to be a buyer-centric community in terms of what are the needs of the buyers in terms of helping them to connect to their peers experts um you know what kinds of engagement and it's really building it around From from that customer perspective, from that buyer perspective, because it's not around just it's not around trying to sell the product. Yeah, we eventually want to get leads, but it's really around having that exchange of information, giving them access to other people, colleagues, other service providers in their in their world. But that is increasingly going to become important because it's all around. Uh, understanding and trust and there's a, a heavy lack of trust in many of the industries in our B2B world. And so 100%. advertising, advertising and social media and advertising are necessary for visibility, but that's it. We need to be visible, but that's it. Um, you know, social media. Advertising is about visibility. Visibility is not how people buy. It's how they find out about you. But then they're doing all this, you know, self-education and research that they're using a variety of ways online and offline to then move them along their buyer's journey. So that's why I'm yes. of the contention advertising and social media. is kind of like that added ingredient. It's kind of the topping that you put on to the rest of your main course that you're you're creating, because um, it is going to give you the visibility yeah, yeah. and the spotlight. But it's it's not the be all and end all, and it's more about really being visible on those channels, platforms, and communities where your buyers are now.
0: Yeah, no, and you're you're absolutely right. It is about creating that awareness, right, with social. It's just or the reinforcing of the brand. Hey, we're out here. We're adding value, and that's why I love you having you on, Michael. You call me out when I <laughs> I say the wrong thing because you're absolutely no, right. Because I wrong, you, you know. I don't my, believe...
1: my perspective from no, my no, no,
0: I um yeah i 100% agree i don't know why i said lead with the product because i'm i'm the one that says lead with the problem and why would you build a community around a product when it's really about the problem solving so yeah no but that's again we've been we've known each other long enough and so i appreciate the uh the the dialogue and you're absolutely right i'm like what was that what did i say <laughs> so versus some of the folks I'll have on they would have just nodded even if they didn't agree with that that statement so anyway but I think you're 100% right it is about that the problem and the peers and they're fighting the same problems and if they can leverage each other and create that that sense of community is 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 a huge so awesome uh, right. that, yeah, that leads
1: to another element that um that I think many SMBs in particular, we need to be thinking about collaboration and co-creation. Those are the two other elements now that we really need to be thinking about as part of your growth strategies. And I believe every SMB, whether you are a sole operator, whether you are a micro um, business or you're a larger SMB with, you know, a hundred to 200 folks, that that collaboration and co-creation needs to be part of your growth strategy and it can be done on many levels so in terms of collaborating it might be everything from potentially let's say you're a marketing agency and an IT company you might combine together to do co-marketing events um like hosting breakfasts and workshops um you know the, the one day retreat because you're both targeting the same audiences but it might even be something less one step back from that in terms of you might each be having your own, um, uh, blog and live streams and you each go on to each other's, have certain topics and you co-market, you know, these upcoming episodes to your respective, um, email list and your respective communities as a way of broadening your reach and access. So there's a variety of ways. So it could be around the service offering itself that you're going to offer a holistic solution now where um, in terms of your whole marketing technology leads, you've got the agency and the IT company joining forces to provide that end-to-end. So there's a variety of ways that you you can potentially be collaborating from very simple things like swapping email lists and doing things like joint live streams and forums to more, you know, more sophisticated, more elaborated approach. But we need to be thinking about how to collaborate because it's by working with others um, that's how you're going to get the access, the reach and the visibility, which is getting harder to do. You can't do it alone. So you need to be thinking how you can be collaborating with your, you know, other service providers, potentially even potential competitors, because they may be competitor. you and I may both be consultants, strategists, but I may have one zone of genius, you have another zone of genius, for which your prospective buyers need both. There's often opportunities to come together and work to say, I'm going to do this piece of the strategy, Brett, you're going to do the operational piece of the strategy. And it's a win win
0: yeah no, I think that's such a great point, and I think there was or at least back in the day you know I've been around the block a few times that you know the channel partners was viewed as kind of a formal reseller and effective some business of multi billion dollar globals without any direct sales force, which I think is is changing but i you're right, I don't think the s m b world or the small businesses has leveraged that nearly enough and yeah you know, the way I kind of think about it is that like an ecosystem, right? And, yeah. Hey, if two come together for the, the better of one and you're small enough to be able to do this and make it effective where some bigger companies would really struggle to try to put those programs together. Yeah. Why not, man? Find those compliments where you're both going to win. It could be formal. It could be informal to your point right. on just, you know, co-writing blogs together, or getting on each other's podcasts, live streams, yeah. or yeah. it could even be a formal relationship said, hey, yeah. we we work well together. So. Yeah really, really think this, uh, you hit on something. This is a key, key opportunity.
1: There's massive opportunities, Brett. And if you look at your star performers, if you want to look at your star performers in terms of large corporates, even some of those you know, high performing thought leaders that are out there, you know, with their you know hundred thousand dollar mastermind programs and so forth. If you look at their growth strategy, these are all of those top leaders or top performers, they're collaborating. They collaborate with each other. They have joint ventures where they're cross-promoting each other's services. They're swapping email lists. They're doing joint events. They sometimes have combined offerings. Um, so you you know even from a from an independent soul practitioner, if you look at those who are making the high six figures, seven figures, they are doing doing a lot of these kinds of things. And then there's numerous examples when we start looking at SMBs, mid-markets and large corporates. So that whole collaboration um, is a big opportunity. Co-creation is another thing that we need to be thinking about. How can we co-create? It could be around content. It could be around education. It could be potentially, um, you know, creating a whole new uh, product service offering, you know, the service package where, you know, well, to use the Martech example, the marketing firm will do, let's say, the strategy and execution around branding and positioning. And the IT firm will do the all the IT strategy and the management and the implementation of the Marte, uh, the Martech stack. So you've got the end to end solution. There's all of that, but there's also co-creating with your customers. So, you know, working with your customers to create the right kind of solution, you know, making it very tailored for them. But the key to that is to identify when you co-created a solution, you know, where are the potential and the opportunities to roll that out to other customer segments, geographies, so that you can, we call it multi-tenanting, and it's covered in the book, uh, Gareth and I wrote, that you can use it. That's massive opportunities there in terms of winning with those current clients and customers because you've created a solution. Uh, the example we use in the book was with a large grocery retail chain Um uh, the technology company created a very bespoke knowledge management solution for that retail chain. But then by understanding some of the other market opportunities and how it's applicable, it was able to be rolled out to other segments. So, so co-creation um, with your clients um, can be a great way in terms of keeping them sticky, winning more with them, but it can lead to other opportunities as well. So we really need to start be thinking about collaboration and co-creating. Whether, whether it be with our other service suppliers partners in the ecosystem but also with our customers as well
0: yeah no i think it, it's a great and quite honestly that's how i'm building you know my business is through collaboration in the sense of you know bringing in people like you for specific problems right or projects that we have so i've got a, a highly vetted list of folks that i trust that i can bring okay. in that i don't need to do myself because there's experts like you that know how to do this, so why would I do it? And then even with co creation, this podcast is a perfect example, right? Yeah. There's a, you know value to both of us having That's a on, bringing in two different perspectives, and we're sharing our knowledge on, on what we're doing. So so if people are looking for a smaller real world. Ex- this is it, <laughs> right? Yes. There's no okay. reason, yeah, reason, right?
1: co-creation starting with content.
0: So let you know, you know, so
1: simple example. We can start with the likes of a, a blog. You can do a lot if you're if you're not ready for a podcast. Do a joint live stream, you know, you you pick yeah. a topic, do a joint live stream. Um, each person can market to their database to, through their social media channels. Then when you get that content, you can then, you know, repurpose it, promote it, uh, uh, you know, promote it again. So even just, you know, getting together and doing a, a live stream and then uh, cross co-marketing it, that's, you know. That's kind of a step number one. Then you may want to move to workshops where you start doing workshops and seminars where you're bringing in your respective target audience uh, folks and providing engagement, interaction, some learning uh, and giving some real value. Joint workshops. And then you can have some follow on activities to nurture and engage those leads, those senior execs. Um, so these are some very tangible, practical, low cost, but very highly effective ways to yeah. deliver value, build the engagement, but it's not a massive investment. It doesn't have to be a formal investment. And then you can start, if appropriate, moving up to more formal arrangements, working together on projects, and you may want to announce an official alliance, but those are further down the track. But just yeah. starting off with a live stream, just get going, right? a, live stream a blog, um, get you know, started. use that to get started, the joint workshop. Um, those are some very value add, easy ways, but can be highly impactful ways for you to increase your reach, visibility, and um, help, uh, yeah, drive that the revenue and growth that you're after.
0: All right, so we've t- covered two of the three C's: collaboration and uh co-creation and i know you mentioned offline there's a third c what's the third c We should or be maybe
1: i have that. that well i think partners so i think really is collaboration and co-creation it's really two c's as opposed to three <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah so sorry on this spot that's all right.
1: that's right <laughs> well yeah, i'm sure we can find
0: another c it's all about yeah. the customer so yeah so
1: it yeah it's all around the customer and in b2b we must remember it's around the buyers as well i continually uh, emphasize that because often i see Companies that are better at, um, being B2B customer centric often fall, um, victim to the habit of being focusing on the user level. So they're very good at knowing what the frontline staff need and, you know, at, you know, the operations folk and really delivering in terms of service levels, operational issues. But we're, but no one's tapping into what's going on in the boardroom. Where are they at? What are they meeting? Because if you miss out on what's happening in the boardroom and you don't deliver a customer experience to the boardroom, because I believe you must deliver a dual customer experience uh, in B2B.
0: Or B2B even a, a triple, if I don't mean to interrupt you, but I would think the tri- you could add the approver in there too, right? Because the could be the user, the buyer, and the approver, right? And they have very different. So if you think of the approver in a little bit larger organization, I maybe mean the CFO, right, that has yeah. final sign off. You know They've got to be risk mitigation. The user's like, man, I need to hit my goal. Or the buyer's like, hey, I've got to hit my goal. And the user's like, I just need to do my job better. So yeah. it's complicated. It's complicated. Right?
1: I tend to lump the the approvers. That's all part of the buying group. So I kind of okay. put, them, I put them, I put the decision makers, influencers, approvers. I call them the, the buying group. So we need to okay. cater to their needs. But you're exactly right. We have to recognize the nuances amongst those different participants in the buying group. Um, but yeah, to keep it simple, you, you have to deliver to the buying group, give them the experience that they need and the advice, insights, recommendation tools that they need as well at a user level. And I often find, particularly when we're talking technology firms, telco firms, for example, um, uh, and in financial services, my experience has been companies that are g- good at trying to be customer central will often focus on the user level. We'll do the you know, operational surveys, the service tracking. We've got our service-level agreements, our service-level assurances. We've got our process, and it's at the user level. But in terms of, okay, well, what's going on in the boardroom? What's their roadmap? Where are they having challenges? That's often what is missed out, and that's where there's real opportunities to really impact B2B customer experience is at that yeah. bio level.
0: I think that's such a good point, and I don't think we've talked about this on this show, and I don't think many B2B companies actually talk about this in general, but if you're thinking about that from the the buyer perspective, the buyer group versus the user, right, because almost all small business or newer businesses are thinking about the user, hey, we solved this problem, you're person, blah, blah, so how do we reorient or reframe our our process, either when we're selling or our, even in our content, to make sure that we, we address both. I know it. I, I'm putting you on a spot and there's not an easy answer, but I'm just curious how you help business owners reframe or think about that frame because it's super easy from the user. Here's how this you, job gets done. It's
1: it's right? a great question. You need to have those mechanisms, listening mechanism, and engagements to bring in decision makers. So I would say, given the environment we're in right now, you should be thinking about holding the breakfast forums, the the, the workshops, um, the, the the special you know retreat events. That is really much around engaging those senior level, having round tables. To engage those decision makers, members of the buying group. So you're talking on their topics that are important, their priorities, topics that are important to them around the kinds of things that they need advice, insights and recommendations. And you're creating events, experiences, activities around that to engage and invite them specifically. Um, because yeah. buyer members of the buying group aren't interested in doing CVA surveys, net promoter score and yeah. all of that don't give a hoots about that sort of stuff. But when you can start talking around what are the upcoming trends, what are the things that they need to be thinking about strategically around various elements of the business based on what their priorities are, you'll get their attention to do a round table, to do a lunch. Um, and if you can provide them opportunities to interact with each other, maybe get access to some experts. So there's still room for events. I still believe, you know, virtual face-to-face, those workshops, um, round tables, forums, there's lots of room for those. And I think um, that can provide a lot of value because that's what folks are seeking. You just have to be creative in how you deliver and execute to those. But, you know, let's not dispel this because we're going online that everything has to become a white paper, the recorded webinar, the whole work. There's still very much. Um, value in providing people the opportunity to learn, but to ask questions, interact with each other, um, there's still very much uh, opportunity. So creating those kind of events specifically for them. And then you'll have your mechanisms in terms of how you um, get feedback and engagement from a user level. So it's really by purpose and by design that you create the means for both. But you have to be thinking at both levels.
0: Okay. Yeah, and I don't mean to keep harping on this, but I think it's a really important topic. And so I'm going to go one more question with you in this area, because I think we talk about we think about, hey, we've got limited resources. We're going to create some content. So I think one of the biggest mistakes I see businesses make is they create the content for the user. Right. Hey, this is going to solve. Here's the features and benefits. It's going to make it better. But don't address the need of the buyer. And framing that is different than the features and the benefits. And so I don't know if you've got any quick tips other than maybe it's just, hey, thinking about thinking about it from the people, the problem that you're solving and who's buying that from you. How would you present that to those folks versus the features and benefits will be important at some point, but that's not what they're buying, right? Yeah, it,
1: the features and benefits are secondary to achieve the priorities and objectives that your decision makers are after. So again, it calls back, it comes back to listening. So, you know, first port of call is I would say talk to some of the, the, the decision makers within your current clients um, and potentially some of your previous clients. Talking to them to find out what are their priorities? What are their challenges? What are they yeah. trying to do moving forward? Where are they getting stuck and finding it from that perspective? So talking to them is one. And then do, again, doing your research. I hate to break it to you folks, but we have to do the work. So, yeah. you know, spend some time, you know, um, whether you need to have, if you, if you have a, a person again, My belief is you should have within your strategic marketing team, there should be that strategy manager or analyst who is doing this for you. If not, then leverage the likes of, you know, freelancer, upwork.com, and get, uh, you know, Expert360, one of these platforms, and get a strategy analyst to spend some time to do some of this research for you. But do some research through the Industry and Professional Association content that they have, they've got, you know, their podcasts or webinars, their white papers, going on to likes of the consulting firms and seeing on their industry sections where they've got the executive summaries and white papers around trends in technology, what's going on in biotech, and go through those and do that analysis to understand what are their priorities, what are the challenges, so that you know what is in the mind of those C-level people. We have to be informed and act as a peer to the CEO. As B2B product and service providers, we are peers you must operate as peers and advisors to the CEO. Um, so if you don't go into a coffee meeting saying what keeps you up at night. You say, I know X, Y, and Z keeps you up at night. These are the things. Have you thought about? Have you read this? This is what you need to be thinking about. This is what you need to be doing. We must operate from that level. And it takes research. It takes listening. Uh, it takes interaction within the communities and groups within our senior leaders that we're trying to, the buyers operate. We need to be immersed in those as well. Know your market, right? I mean, know your market, made, know your customers, <laughs> but you must know your buyers as well. You must know your buyers as well. B to B. Start with the buyer your and work your way. Not back. Knowing your customer in B2B is not good enough, and that is where 99% of organizations fail because they know their customer. I know American Airlines. No, So if you're the catering company, I'm going to say, uh, and you want to get into the uh, training division because you want all the business for all the workshops being done by the training team, you need to know within that business unit who are the decision makers that decides who gets the catering services for all the workshops you're doing. You need to know who are those buyers and decision makers. Who they are, what are their priorities, and how they buy. We must know at a buyer level. Be, being customer centric in B two B is not good enough. You must be buyer centric.
0: Yes, man, I love your passion for this, and that's why I think I keep bringing you back on. I used to joke, you got to come out of your shell, but have some thoughts on this. But that's you know that's the beauty. I want people on here that are passionate about how we solve these problems. And time flies when we talk. But I do. You touched on one thing. I just want to go one more. Go for it. Go for it. Question because I think you touched on something that's important that a lot of smaller businesses struggle with is they don't necessarily have the expertise in a lot of these areas. And you had mentioned a couple of the opportunities. And I think that's, you know, one of the things I'm focusing on this year is as an owner of a business, man, figure out where your where your your strengths are and where your weaknesses. Where are those gaps? Do you have that marketing person, right? Are you in the middle of closing all the deals and out in front of the marketing solicit? There's Take an inventory, if you will, of, of where the skill sets are, and if you don't have anybody, you can talk strategy or marketing or understand, you know, where you're, who your customers are. <laughs> That's priority number one. And but I think the good thing is it's never been easier to find some of those resources. We kind of talk about ecosystem of your company, where it's becoming more and more experts in different areas that you can plug into, either part time, full time, contract basis that can that can help you sync it so i didn't want to end this without talking about something you mentioned that i think is is really important we don't have to do it alone there's resources out there to help
1: yeah there's definitely resources i mean there's there i mean there are a lot of resources online um but you there, there are various options that you can be using um you may want to be using um freelancers um you know independent contractors um to help you um you know, do some of the work that needs to be done. But it is quite important now that really to succeed in B2B, you need to have strong skill sets in three areas. True strategic marketing, which means you understand, have an in-depth understanding of the industries, markets, customers and business buyers that you serve. So you know who they are, what are their priorities and how they buy. So you need people who know how to identify the needs of customers, how to identify growth opportunities and say what's the so what, what it means for the business. So you need to have strong skill sets in that capacity in terms of identifying market opportunities and needs and how it translates into the three areas you need to answer what to deliver to your customers and buyers how to deliver how to promote and engage second area is around business innovation so how do you respond to customer needs so your your strategic marketing those who manage and understand the needs and priorities and where the opportunities are how do you translate that into products marketing services and solutions joint venture. So having skills around business innovation. And then, you know, you need to be able to be effective at B2B sales, which again is about being that advisor and partner to the buyers to the CEO. Yeah. You need to have those that skill set, which means you need to have some of these skill sets around uh, listening, analysis, uh, opportunity identification, being able to map out what solutions are, what's the roadmap, what's the action plans are. So those are the kinds of real strategic skills that you need for B2B selling. So three skill sets are required, strategic marketing, Business innovation and B2B selling, which is strategic advisory selling. Those are the three skill sets that you need uh, in order to be able to execute your uh, effective B2B growth strategies, which you can get on a permanent basis, contract, freelance. Um, there are various options, but that those are the core fundamental uh, and you need all three you need all three in order to succeed now just because of the expectations behaviors and requirements of bb buyers the bar has raised and it's raised significantly um it's always been tough but it's gotten tougher over the past 12 to 18 months
0: yeah and it's going to stay that way right those folks hoping it's going to go back it ain't going back <laughs> <laughs> so michael man i i always appreciate your time and i always feel like i take too much of your time so Not at we'll all. continue to I'll have really you back you. we'll lose We'll lose track of you know how many times you've been on the show, but you know again for maybe some new audience members, what's the best place for folks to find you? You kind of reference your book. I highly recommend your book. I mean, I think it's a great, um, it's the best way to say a it good. It's a usable book, right? It it gives you a framework, and if you're stuck, you, you talked about only one aspect of it to listen, but there's all three components. So again. Not doing it justice, but it's one of my you know the, my top ten books to make sure you guys check out so um, make sure you learn where people can find the book and then also content and how do we catch up with you offline
1: sure so the best way to uh, in terms of all of my content and how to get in touch with me two uh, key places first is my website listen dot com so that's listeninnovategrow, uh lowercase all one word dot com. On listeninnovategrow.com, that's where you'll find a lot of uh, uh, articles, videos, podcast interviews, tools and templates, all about how to build and grow your business by being buyer-centric in B2B. Uh, There's also a free chapter sample to the book, which is also called Listen, Innovate, Grow, a guidebook for startups (laughs) and SMEs to acquire and grow business customers. And so it presents the Listen, Innovate, Grow framework, which are the three key activities businesses need to be doing on an ongoing basis in a B2B buyer-driven context. So listen to That's the big um, repository for the book and all other uh, insights around B2B. And also connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So reach out, connect with me. Um, Any questions, yeah, uh, you can contact me there as well.
0: Awesome. We're still waiting anxiously for part two of the book, Michael. (laughs) I know I I kid kid you every time, but I mean, I think...
1: But, coming. it will be it will be eventually but, uh, but, we're but be a little bit longer but it's coming Brett. It's nah, coming and,
0: it's I'm, coming and i'm teasing you because the framework is still very relevant today right even the world's changed since before you wrote that you were kind of ahead of your time because you had the framework right as we started to think about right what business owners need to do so i tease you about the part two i mean i'm anxiously waiting for anything you write so we'll we'll wait patiently but uh anyway, a lot of great content on his website. He is active on LinkedIn. So make sure you follow or connect with him there. And uh, yeah, we'll have him back before too long.
1: Thank you for having me, Brett. Great conversation. Good fun as always. So thank you.
0: Awesome. Thanks. We'll catch up with you soon, Michael. Have a great rest of your day.
1: Thanks. You too.